Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Abide by Pastor Sean Wood. We're going to come around God's Word now, but before we do, let's pray. Father, I thank you that you're always speaking to us. And you have given us the revelation of who you are. And so today, just get me out of the way, Lord, and just reveal yourself, I pray. I pray for eternal seeds to be sown in your wonderful name. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, you'd like to meet me in John chapter 15. We'll spend most of the morning in John chapter 15. Uh, last couple of weeks, uh, it's been my heart to share uh, where, uh, where we are as a church and why it is that we do what we do. And last week, we looked at uh, the parable of the sower and how God's word can impact and change our lives. And the week before, we looked at Zacchaeus. And, and this year, make this year the year that you climb whatever sycamore tree you have to do so that you can see who Jesus is. I just want to settle something right now. Uh, often amongst church circles, people are chasing the spectacular. We want to see this and we want to see that. Well, I've got some good news for you this morning. Jesus is the spectacular. Uh, his presence is the spectacular. And so uh, I pray this would be a year that you climb the sycamore tree to see who Jesus is. But... Uh, a little bit more about this as we go along, but often we can get trapped into what is the Christian life all about? Uh, do we just come in and punch our time card here on Sundays? Do we go home? Uh, we do each have our own purpose amongst the body of Christ. Some are eyes, some are ears, some are toes, some are feet, some are hands, but we all have our place within the body. But overarchingly, there is one call upon the Christian life, and that is to bear fruit. I was reminded, I was only reading this week in Mark chapter 11, where uh, Jesus comes to his Passion Week, and at the beginning of the week, he spends uh, the first few days uh, travelling between Jerusalem and Bethany. Bethany was just a couple of miles out. Bethany was where Lazarus lived. It's where Mary and Martha lived. Uh, it's where Lazarus was buried, for those that read that in the Gospel of John. But as he's travelling one day, he, he walks past a fig tree, and it's got leaves on it. And he walks up because he's hungry, seeking fruit off the fig tree. And when he gets there, there's no fruit. And most of us know how this goes. He curses the fig tree, and the fig tree withers and dies. And this morning, we're going to work some, through some really heavy passages this morning. But... I pray that this would be a year of fruitfulness for every person in this room because there will be a day when, just like that fig tree, Jesus will come to your tree. And so the question I have today is, if Jesus comes to your tree today, does he find leaves or is there fruit on the branches? Jesus says, in John chapter 15, he, he uses the analogy of a vine to teach us some really important lessons. 
what Jesus wants to teach us in John chapter 15 is he wants to teach us largely who he is. And so we'll get to that in a moment. Uh, Also, we need to know, uh, as we're working through the analogy, he gives us uh, physical analogies to help us understand spiritual truth. And uh, the analogy of the vine, we're going to learn who the vine is today. We're going to learn who the vine dresser is today or the gardener. And we're going to learn who the branches are and what, what each of that role looks like and how it is that you can bear fruit. I've got some great news for you today. It's not complicated. We're not going to unpack some deep spiritual algebraic formula, which is good because I'm never good at maths in class. We're not going to unpack any of those sort of formulas today. It's really simple. Jesus had to make the Christian life really simple, right? For guys like me, he had to make the Christian life really simple. Well, the good news is he has. And you can leave here today on a path of bearing fruit, and I want to help you to do that. Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. And that was a massive statement in the first century. Because everybody in Israel understands vine language. They understand vineyard language because this is nothing new for the people of Israel. The book of Isaiah in chapter 5, let me, let me read you a, a passage. It's actually a song that is sung in, it's the song of the vineyard. And as this song unpacks, and as Jesus will help us to understand, bearing fruit today is your responsibility. God's done all the work. We'll get to that. And Jesus has made it so easy to bear fruit. Jesus has made it so easy for us. But the responsibility is on us. And I want to help you to understand how you can do that today. But listen to this song. Let me sing for my beloved my love song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and he planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and he hoed out a wine vat in it and he looked for it to yield grapes. But... It yielded wild grapes. This is a song about God's vineyard. This is a song about the vine. And in those days, in Isaiah's days, the vineyard was the house of Israel. It actually tells us this in this passage, that the house of Israel, the people of God, were the vineyard. And what we learn here is God had done all the preparation work necessary for them to bring forth fruit. Have a listen, if you, if you read through here, it was planted in the most fertile soil that, that God had, had carefully prepared the soil. We read that he had, had planted it with good stock, right back to, to Abraham. And, and we can be in a hurry, hey? But it's interesting that as you read through the story, that only one author wrote this story, by the way. It's got many writers, men put pen to paper, but there's one author. And that's God. And in this story, right back at Abraham, we see that he had Jesus in mind. But he plants a seed, Abraham. And from there, a vine grows and he begins to, uh, he makes provision and he protects it. But they bring forth wild grapes. And uh, if fruitlessness isn't bad enough, the house of Israel had brought forth wild grapes. And wild grapes were poisonous. They were, they were offensive. They were noxious. And if we read the rest of this passage, it's very confronting. 
And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. This is what God's saying. Judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do to my vineyard? This is what God's saying. I've come looking for fruit and I've got wild grapes. And what's God saying? This is not my fault. That I have done to it. When I looked for it to yield grapes and it did and it yielded wild grapes. And now I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will remove its hedge and it shall be devoured. I will break down its wall and it shall be trampled down. I will make it a waste. It shall not be pruned or hoed and briars and thorns shall grow up. I will also command the clouds that they rain not upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. That's very confronting language. And now what Jesus is saying in John chapter 15, he's standing up and saying the vine has been replaced. You see, God had always designed uh, the Israel, nothing's changed. The purpose of the vine and the purpose of the vineyard is the same, to bring forth fruit, fruit, right? But the purpose of the vine in the Old Testament is the same as it is today, that it would be the channel for God's blessings and God's favour. It would be the channel for his salvation. God poured out all of his love and mercy on Israel. Why? Because he wanted to send a message to the rest of the world. I will reveal myself to Israel. Why? So that the rest of the world may see through Israel, nothing's changed. But when God comes to Israel, he finds wild grapes. You haven't produced any fruit. Jesus says, I am the true vine. I am the one that has the life-giving sustenance. And what I love about how Jesus has changed everything is... Now bearing fruit, if you're taking notes this morning, I, I don't have a Twitter account. Donald Trump frightened me off ever having a Twitter account. But, <laughs> but if you're tweeting, tweet this. Uh, bearing fruit is not about performance. It's now about position. It's all been changed. I am the true vine. Now bearing fruit is a matter of who you're attached to or to sow the seed for where we're going to land today, who's attached themselves to you. We'll get to that later. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser or my father is the gardener or my father is the farmer. He is the one who is in supreme control over everything. Uh, he is the one that is preparing. He is the one that brought forth the true vine. And now we understand that uh, if Jesus is the true vine and, and God is the pruner and the vine dresser, uh, first thing we need to know before we go any further, it's not our place to do God's work. He's the pruner. God doesn't need you to prepare everybody else. God doesn't need you to prepare and prune everybody else. He can do it all by himself. You'll be, you'll be pleased to know this morning. We're going to learn how God prunes in a moment. I reckon most of us here will go, yeah, I've known God's shears in my life. I know I have, but we'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, uh, my father is the vine dresser, and the vine dresser here has two major roles. I'm going to read some words in a moment that are very confronting. And the, and the fact of the matter is we can, we can pick them, roll them, and flick them, but they still say the same things. 
Verse 2, every branch in me. Not every branch around me. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. See, this is why I love preaching the Bible. I didn't say this. <laughs> There's a disclaimer already written before we go any further. I didn't say this stuff. But this is why it's important, hey? This is why fruit is so important. Because every branch in Christ that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And some have come to soften that. Some have come to say, you know what, that's not what Jesus really meant. You know, sometimes that word can mean in the Greek that we lift up. And, and when the vine's drooping on the ground, you can lift it up. And it's, it's all about restoration. No, it's not. Read the rest of the chapter. Jesus is going to say in a minute, everyone that doesn't abide in me is like a branch that is withered. And it's bundled up and burned. <clears throat> Why is fruit so important? It's got eternal consequences. And it's important because this is the kind of stuff that keeps pastors up at night because the reality is you will stand before God and I pray that when you do, it's not just leaves on your tree. So God takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit Still confronting language. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. I said this last week, but the analogy is the same. Healthy trees reproduce themselves. Have a look at nature, right? A fruit tree grows. The fruit grows. If it's not picked, it falls to the ground. What happens after it falls to the ground? Everything around it decomposes, but the seed is fertilised by everything that just decomposed. And it, what, what does it do? Another tree begins, right? That's how it's supposed to work. That's how it works in the house of God. And mature, fruit-bearing trees reproduce themselves. Anybody ever felt like God's got the shears out on your life? I remember when, um, I remember when we, the first house we brought was next to my grandfather-in-law. And in our backyard, we had, a, we had an apricot tree and a walnut tree. Remember those? And they had been neglected for many years. And uh, I was talking to my grandfather-in-law, and he said, you know, he said, everybody reckons that if you want good fruit from a walnut tree or an apricot tree, he said, you've got to belt the trunk of the tree. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, he said, what you've got to do is get the blunt end of an axe, he said, and belt the trunk as hard as you can. So I'm like, right, okay. He says, then it makes the tree work harder and the fruit gets better. I said, listen, those trees aren't bearing any fruit now. I said, you knock yourself out. <laughs> Were we not ringing the neighbours saying, please come and take some apricots and walnuts? I couldn't mow the lawns for the apricots <laughs> and the walnuts. Good excuse, right, to build the crap out of the tree. <laughs> 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 uh, Pastoral care for 2023s. We're going to grow a couple of walnut and apricot trees. Yes. And, if, and if, that's going to be the complaints department. <laughs> we'll give you the blunt end of an axe. But isn't it, isn't it sometimes the same in our own life? Doesn't it feel sometimes like God's got the blunt end of the axe out? Sometimes the tree needs a good shake to get all the bad fruit out. 
And sometimes he's got to get his shears out and prune away. When, when I was in the forestry, we used to do pruning in three stages, first, second and third prune. And we were, the whole heart behind it was to produce clear wood. And clear wood is completely free of defects, completely free of knots, uh, just a perfect grain. And they used to put it into a peeler. It's where we get a lot of our laminates and flooring and stuff. They put it into this peeler log. And so to achieve a piece of clear wood, you would have to prune while the tree was young. And you would take out all of the dead branches and some of the good branches so that you could have clear wood. And what you would be left with was a massive stem about yay round with a very small defect knotty core but the rest was clear wood sometimes God's got to get his shears out so that down the line there's some clear wood right and to do pruning in our lives and although the pruning is painful it has a purpose We don't often see that, do we? Not in the immediate. Sometimes we get angry with God. And, you know, I just want to help you out. If you read the book of Job and most of the Psalms, you're going to learn that it's okay to get angry with God sometimes. You're better off telling him you're angry with him because he already knows, right? (laughs) It's okay to let him know that you're evangelically ticked off. Not Pentecostally, because that's dangerous. <laughs> Jesus says, I am the true vine, and, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And you can take those words home today, and you can meditate on them, and you can pull them apart, and you can dissect them, but they still will mean the same thing. It's time to stop playing church, friends. This is real business. With a real God and real consequences for us mucking around, huh? Every branch that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Verse 3, this is why last week uh, was so important. I love this verse. Already you are clean. Why? Because of the word that I have spoken to you. You're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Now, if anybody in this room uh, has had teenage boys, you'll understand that showering is optional, right? Teenage boys, they, they reach a stage in their life when they go, well, hang on, showering's optional. Uh, most of us in this room, uh, at least once a day, we've got to have a shower. And if you want to have a spiritual shower, get into his word. Ephesians 5, verses 25 and 26. Husbands, love your wives as Christ lay off the church and gave himself for her to sanctify her through... Thank you very much. The washing of the word. If you want to have a spiritual shower, and don't worry about the dirt on everybody else, by the way. As a parent, listen, uh, you cannot scare me with odours anymore. I've got three teenage boys and you cannot frighten me with any kind of odours. But let's worry about the dirt that we've got, right? Every single one of us walk a dirty world and we need a shower. Jesus says, you're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Verse 4, abide in 
me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And so now we understand. We understand that Jesus is the true vine. We understand that God is the vine dresser, the one who prunes, the one who tends. That should be good news to everybody in this room today. God individually broods over your life to prune you. He cares that much for you that he prunes you. If God is love, then everything he does is loving. Even when he's got the shears out. If you were sold a gospel where God doesn't have any pruning shears, then please go back and get your money back. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear its fruit by itself. And so, of course, we are the branches, right? And the moment that we unpack this analogy, we understand the need of the branch for the vine. There is dependence there, right? It's vital for connection. Uh, I'm going to reveal something now that uh, is probably going to end up on YouTube, but uh, before I was married, I used to buy my wife flowers. (laughs) Now, now, man, just join with me for a minute. Yeah, that's right, Ross. I used to buy my wife flowers. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That could work, but but I noticed something. You ever notice how you walk into the florist and the flowers look the flowers look awesome, right? They're vibrant, they're full of colour. You think, wow. So I would buy flowers for for my wife, and a couple of days later, they what would happen? They begin to wither. It's not long before they die. It's not long before they go in the bin. I wasn't very good at maths, but I can work something out. Plastic flowers. No, 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 no. Before you judge me, plastic flowers is good stewardship. Did you not have those plastic flowers for many years? She still got them. So now I don't have to go to the florist, I'm just going to get them out of the cupboard. But. Do you feel withered here this morning? Do you feel dry? Maybe you're not as connected as you used to be. I used to get frustrated with this word abide. Because I used to think there's got to be some really deep spiritual meaning behind the word abide. But the word abide means to remain or it means to reside. Uh, Just before we go any further, uh, sometimes people can misunderstand Christianity as a series of short sprints. That our, that our Christian walk is, is a sum of short sprints. Well, I'm here to tell you today that this word tells us categorically that the Christian life is a marathon. It's about hanging in there. Uh, when I was in Lagana, there was a man who was 88 when I left Lagana. Norm, remember Norm? Uh, and Norm was 88 and he just run the city to surf with his son. And he came back and he said, you know what? I'm not going to run the city to surf next year. I said, what's the matter, Norm? He said, my times are slipping. First world problems, right? At 88, your times are slipping. But, it, but he, he knew what a, a marathon was. The Christian life is a marathon, which means you keep going even when it hurts sometimes. You see, when you stand before Christ, who you've made your home and where you've decided to reside will matter. The word abide, I, I, was, I was actually wrestling with this word abide even this week and I, was, I, I stumbled across Mark chapter 10 
and it's marriage language. Uh, if you want to understand um, your relationship with Christ, I'll give you a hint. Marriage is a great metaphor for our relationship with Christ, how he courts us. He courts us, by the way. Uh, we'll a little bit more about that when we finish today. But he courts us and then we come into this relationship and, and there's even some analogies you can draw. It's too many people date Jesus for too long. <laughs> Put the finger on. Put the ring on. Jesus is waiting at the altar. It's time to say I do, right? That's, it's marriage language. But uh, I come across the word cleave. And I'm thinking, that's an interesting word. What does that really mean? Or uh, it means my wife should cleave to me, but um, it means I should cleave as well, unfortunately. No, it does. <laughs> but um, I started to unpack this word, and the word for abide is meno, M-E-N-O in the Greek. One of the words describing cleave or hold fast is prosmeno. Same as abide, but it's now attached to a person. And one of the clearest verses that highlights this is Acts 11.23, where it says they remained true or faithful to Christ. I'm going to digress for a moment. Whenever there's a breakdown in a relationship or whenever there's a breakdown in a marriage in particular, at the root of that, I guarantee you this, at the root of that breakdown, somebody stopped holding fast. It may be both. It may just be one. But if you scratch beneath the surface deep enough, you will find that one person, for a variety of different reasons, said, I'm no longer holding fast. And that's the Christian metaphor for us. The word abide means to hold fast. The word abide means to cleave. The word abide means to hang on to Christ. But it's not long before we realise who's hanging on to who, right? And whenever there's a breakdown in the relationship with Christ, it's not like he's stopped holding fast, right? Faith, fullness can be wrapped up in the word to abide. Jesus says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Jesus didn't say that that wasn't flippant, it wasn't accidental. He was intentional when the first part of that was abide in me. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. God is waiting for us. The sad thing is God waits far too long, sometimes. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. In case you were confused, some people are. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. You need to put this verse on your fridge. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can't, church attendance isn't, you can, you can come to church twice on every Sunday, go to all the life groups. If you are not connected to Jesus, if you are not abiding in Jesus, you will not and you cannot bear fruit. You can have all the theology degrees, you can have, you can have all, you can go to Bible school as long as you have all the education you want. I can tell you testimonies of pastors who went to Bible college 
One of them was in Launceston. He went to Bible college. He pastored for many years and he started preaching the gospel and got saved. Thanks be to God. Verse 6, if anyone does not abide in me, again, this is confronting language, right? If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. (coughs) Verse 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. The interesting thing is when you abide in Christ, it changes what you ask for. Who would like to live a life that brings glory to God? I know I would. I think we all would. Verse 8, by this my Father is glorified. How? That you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Jesus talks about the disciples and us being his friends. And then there's a wonderful verse that he finishes with. Down in verse 16 of this paragraph, he says, you know what? He says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. I think we may have missed that, so I'll read it again. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you. I didn't appoint you to an international ministry. I didn't appoint you. I appointed you to bear fruit. I didn't appoint you to cast out demons, heal the sick. Those things happen, yes. I appointed you to bear fruit. Interesting thing we find in Mark chapter 3 is that before there's any mention of anybody casting out demons and and healing the sick or anything, Jesus calls his disciples, first and foremost, to be with him. Mark 3 verse 3. He called his disciples to be with him and. Now, if we bring this into vineyard language, this is what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying, you did not attach yourself to me. I attached myself to you. What a divine privilege. You didn't attach yourself to me. I attached myself to you and now there's a responsibility and that responsibility is that you bear much fruit. As I bring this to a close today, I I stumbled upon a term... uh, I struggled with this when I was in the forestry with some of the younger people as well as some of the older people we had. But uh, just recently in a, in a Gallup poll in the US, uh, in June of last year, they did a Gallup poll and they found that in the US, 50% of employees over the age of 18 identified as being quiet quitters or soft quitters. And everybody's scrambling to try and fix this because it's a massive problem when you've got labour shortage and you've got quiet quitters you've got a problem. And here's here's what a quiet quitter looks like. They do the absolute bare minimum to get by. Uh, A quiet quitter, I had these guys in the forestry that were just, uh, they worked out what they had to do to stop me sacking them. But they didn't work, some of them didn't work it out real well. But uh, I will just do the bare minimum to keep this guy off my back. And and quiet quitting, they, they... under the terminology, they said, well, you know what, uh, people, they, they don't go to any extra meetings, uh, they don't work in their lunch hour, they don't work a minute past five o'clock, uh, they, uh, and the problem is, that they've found is, that these guys are picking up a paycheck. These guys are filling a role in companies and in businesses, and they're picking up a paycheck every week, but they're not producing anything, they're not fruitful in their position. 
And it's a huge problem in business, right? Because if you get rid of these guys, we've got a massive labour shortage, so we can't get rid of them. We actually need them, but they're not hooked in. They're punching in, but they're not present. They're here, but they're not hooked in. The fires went out a long time ago. Care factor. Uh, I don't know how many young people in the forestry told me, tell someone who cares. I don't know how many old people when I worked in the forestry said, tell somebody who cares. <laughs> but you know what they also found? Was they said, you know what? And they think they've unearthed a new trend. I think they've just got a new name for something that's always existed. It's not something that just came out of COVID. It's something that always was, right? But what they've found is that, you know what, we also found that this same phenomenon, quiet quitting or soft quitting, has flowed into people's relationships. It's flowed into relationships between parents and children. It's flowed into marriages. It's flowed into many other facets of life. And so I would make the case today that churches are filled, possibly, with quiet quitters. You turn up every Sunday. You punch in, but you're not present. You're here, but you're not hooked in. The fires dwindled a long time ago. And you occupy a seat, but my question today is, are you fruitful? I go back to the start. If Jesus came to the fig tree of your life today, does he find leaves or does he find fruit? Jesus made it real simple. Abide in me. Remain in me. Stay connected to me. Stay in my word. Some, I give you this guarantee, some mornings you wake up, you're not going to feel like reading the word. Some mornings you wake up, you're not going to feel like praying. Some mornings you wake up, you're not going to feel like a Christian. Those are the times we need to stay. Those are the times we need to remain. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you that you attached yourself to us. Jesus, I thank you that all of, all of what we need is found in you. You are the true vine. No, nothing else in this universe can, can nourish us and sustain us. I would pray. I pray for branches that have become disconnected. I pray for... I pray for those that are hanging around the vine but aren't hooked in. I pray that the channels of life and blessing and, and the fires of, of a love relationship with you would once again be kindled, Lord. I pray that fruit would once again begin to bud. Lord, dare I pray this morning, prune us. that we may be more fruitful and bring greater glory to your wonderful name, I pray. In your glorious name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website 
at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.